0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. When you were a little child, did you go to Sunday school or sing church songs at home? We did. And I loved hearing my father's rich baritone voice as the foundation when we naturally broke out in song as a family in the middle of the most mundane times without even a thought. When I brought a friend over, they were fascinated by it. And that's when I realized spontaneous family singing wasn't the norm. I was a teenager by then. But as much as I loved our routine singing as a family, there was one song I did not enjoy. Mom had a church song she used to warn and scold us with. Perhaps you heard this too. It was, Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. I see some people wincing. (laughs) Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes what you see. Then it went on to name the hands what you do and feet where you walk, mouth what you say. And even though the words were, the father up above is looking down in love, it didn't feel loving at all. It felt like there was an angry God bent on punishment. Should I step out of line with one mistaken glance, a word or a step? That even if my mother didn't catch me, God would and God would not be pleased, and punishment, whether temporary or eternal, was certain. How many of us were raised with this imagery of God and are still extracting ourselves from it? And when approaching this gospel, it also speaks of a God who sees everything, but not in a bad way. God isn't watching with a big stick ready to condemn us and cast us away for any wrong we might do, but instead God is looking for our acts of holiness and righteousness that stem from the heart. How much freedom is there? In this gospel passage, Jesus speaks of a lifestyle of good works, grounded in a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And I wonder If as a little child, and if the adults around me had read this passage more carefully, might our understanding of God have been radically different. Perhaps we would have known that God is looking to catch us in the act of doing the right thing, instead of waiting for us to do wrong or to fail. The three acts of piety are offered as examples Jesus doesn't command us to do them. Rather, this was a common expectation of their society as a way of practicing their faith, grounded deeply in their Jewish roots. Jesus is affirming his expectation that his followers not only continue to live this way, but to make sure that it comes from the heart as an act of worship to God. First is the giving of alms or acts of charity, The work that we do to assist those in need is not because we are a 501c3 organization or a social safety net or even Christian do-gooders. Instead, it is because we recognize our own dependence on God and are deeply grateful for God's care for us, even in the hard times, and that then we still overflow with generosity toward others. Reminds me of a time when my father was quite ill and I was quite worn out, and a woman who had nothing offered me a smile. Somehow, I found a way to navigate my dad out of the car and into the wheelchair and where we needed to go. That was an act of charity on her behalf. It wasn't financial. I didn't need another dollar. I need somebody to say, God is still at work in the world, and his strength is sufficient, which is everything I read into her smile. Proverbs 19:17 says, Whoever cares for the poor lends to the Lord, who will repay in full. As God's beloved creation, we can never outgive God. And he repays us in full in health, in hope, in kindness. In that parking space sometimes that just seems impossible and in the ability to walk from a far different place if we don't find that parking spot. The psalmist says, Who shall, What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? Written at a time when David was in great jeopardy. The acts of charity are works that we choose to do, not because people say, what a good job, but because we are deeply filled with gratitude for what God has given us. The second thing that Jesus mentions is prayer. Jesus, by his life, gave an example of prayer, often going away from the needs of the world to be with his Father as was necessary. For us, prayer is embedded in who we are as people of the book, as Episcopalians. We are so fortunate to have the Book of Common Prayer that assists us in giving voice to our adorations, petitions, and requests. There are many ways to pray. There's the Acts mnemonic, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Then there is silent prayer and meditation. The Jesus prayer, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner, repeated over and over again as it comes down from the head and nestles in the heart. Or the Marian Rosary or Chaplet of Divine Mercy, something I will likely pray tonight, given what has happened in Kansas today with the shooting. Then there is walking conversational prayer, listening to sacred music as prayer, like P.A. Yasu merciful jesus or singing hymns and also the model prayer that jesus gave us in verses 9 through 13 of the chapter of the gospel that was read tonight there are so many ways to pray and while we love our public prayers that unite us and also recharge us they are not enough to sustain us so it is our personal prayer life In the secret place, hidden from public view, that is so critical. And the third is fasting. The scriptures remind us how fasting should begin with the heart. While we sing together, worship together, pray together, and generate acts of love together, we haven't had a process to fast together. Perhaps it's because fasting has gotten a bad name and has been associated quite erroneously with eating disorders. Or maybe it's because of our cultural shift from sacrifice to comfort. That anything that makes us uncomfortable is rapidly dismissed as harmful, rather than examined for the possibility of self-discipline or growth. Whatever the cause, fasting is one expression of faith that we speak about. Jesus tells us, that when we fast, not if we fast, we are to look as though we are not fasting. And if you're not familiar or a regular practice of fasting, you might look like you're fasting the first couple times. (laughs) That's not what Jesus (laughs) is talking about. What he is saying is you don't present yourself in a way to let everybody know you're fasting and make a big deal of it. Sometimes it's hard to hide that you're fasting. People will say, well, why don't you eat that? And you don't want to offend. Or, hmm, are you fasting? Well, you've got to tell the truth. But in the era that Jesus was talking about, people were making a big show of their fast, not washing their face, putting on sackcloth and ashes so everybody would notice. It's not about noticing on the outside, because then we have our reward here on Earth. It's about doing what we do, often in secret, because it's the Father who always notices. If you saw the e-blast today, I thanked many in my rector's report who had done so much things that I noticed. But then when I went to everybody that I noticed, I couldn't possibly list list them all. The packet was already 32 pages and I could take five or six pages just thanking each person individually. Sometimes I see the good work that you do and you have no idea. And my heart is filled with gratitude for the many things that each one of you do. But I know if I miss a thank you, I know that my Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Isaiah tells us that the fasting that God chooses for us is for a purpose, to orient ourselves to the needs of others, to strengthen us for the social justice work that we are called to do, to end food insecurity and to address poverty. In the second quarter, we will learn more about fasting and then be invited to fast together and to break our fast together with a simple communal meal. That way, fasting will become more a part of our spiritual disciplines. The words from Isaiah are one of the gifts of this penitential season, a season to reflect, to remember, to reset, to grow we will soon be invited into keeping a holy Lent and to receive ashes to remember that we are created from dust, given life from the very breath of God, and one day to dust we shall return. But what we do in the interim from being created out of the dust to returning to the dust matters let us recommit ourselves to the often invisible works of righteousness that God always sees and rewards. Amen.